0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cane of Rince podcast, volume four, issue 189. You can play along with our next five issues of the podcast if you elect to bump these to the top of your backlog. Dark Souls 2 and, of course, Scholar of the First Sin. Following that, uh, it's Sensible Soccer, the sensible world of soccer and the whole series of that. Although we may have played those later entries a little less than uh, some of the earlier ones. Next up, it's just the very first secret of Monkey Island. Following that, it's Halo Reach. And then Thomas was alone. Yes, he was. Head to canerince.com for the full schedule, as well as our blog and our videos and all other goodnesses, things like that on there. Links to our forum as well and Facebook page and YouTube channel. Please remember also to check out our shop where you can support us and the podcast by buying quality, stylish Rinse t-shirts and bags. And uh, also, please do check out our video games music podcast, Sound of Play. Please review and rate, and most importantly, subscribe to both of them, both those podcasts on iTunes or whatever else you choose. Thank you. Joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue, Tony Atkins. Hello. Carl Moon. This is different. I'm not getting introduced last. Well, it's an alphabetical thing. (laughs) Uh, Unless we've got a guest, in which case, we introduce him last out of politeness. CJ Black How you doing?
1: Thanks for having me back
0: We'll give you the big build-up Welcome <laughs> back uh, You're on all our shows at the moment You've been on uh, Well, you've already recorded the Dark Souls 2 show mm-hmm. And uh, you've been on this one You're going to be on the Sensible Soccer one yeah. And you've been on Sound of Play Thank you very We've much
2: indoctrinated him into the team I know We've basically <laughs> Whether he liked it or not Stolen him <laughs> A trial of by his, talking uh,
0: fire Off of his other other concerns Twin humanities and so on and so forth now, Halo 3 ODST is our subject for this issue of the podcast. Here is your spoiler warning for the plot. I don't know how deep and dirty we'll get down into the details of the story. I certainly won't be because I don't really know what happened, um, but I know... Smoky that, Jazz. Uh, well, yeah, we've got that. That That's not the story. That's not a spoiler. <laughs> no, that is all smoky <laughs> In jazz. fact, all of our correspondence mentions the <laughs> soundtrack in this in this one, I think, pretty much so. Yeah. Um, But yes, I know, um, Carl, you tweeted me something about a story beat the other day. No, you didn't tweet me. You meant it was on True Achievements and I was like... Sure, if you say so. That's ha- that happened then. I didn't <laughs> I didn't really know what you were talking about. So, um we'll we'll get into that and why that might be. So, uh this game came out um back in originally in September 2009 on the Xbox 360. Now, I read somewhere that the Japanese version of on 360 came out in September 2014, 5 years later. Really? Is that true or is that just nonsense? I did not know don't that. Know. Obviously, the Master Chief Collection version uh, came out quite recently in May 2015. Free to those of us who bought the Master Chief Collection early, uh, early on, or like four pounds or seven dollars to people mm. who didn't. Which uh, I think goes down as a, as a pretty decent uh, a value for money prospect. Uh, now, the game exists as uh, a prologue, a prequel, if you will, to, to Halo 3 or fits in between Halo 2 and 3 anyway uh, and explores events that happened in uh, in and around uh, Mombasa in Kenya. Uh, Kenya? Kenya? Do you say Kenya or Kenya? Which one yeah. of those anyway? I'm only Kenya. Kenya. Uh, okay. Between Halo 2 and Halo 3 uh, and... It was famously a piece of DLC that spiralled out of control in terms of ambition and size uh, to the point that I don't know whether this was entirely a marketing decision or whether it was uh, driven mainly by the developers saying, actually, this is worthy of a disc in its own right or needs a disc in its own right. Um, but it came out as a disc in its own right at pretty much full price as well, was it? It wasn't like a mid-price release. And I I, th- I feel that that affected the review scores because while um, it wasn't a three-hour piece of DLC, clearly it was, you know, it's a longer game than that and there was a lot more content, Firefight and so on, that we'll get into... I think the the reason the reviews were sort of 10% lower than those of Halo 3 were probably because of the slightly curtailed length of the campaign. And maybe some of the other elements, such as the fact that you didn't play as Master Chief, maybe some reviewers didn't enjoy that so much. I, I don't think know. that's a huge part.
3: Um, in a lot yeah. of conversations I've had with people, uh, mm. they would always say, oh, DST, that's the one where you're not Master Chief, right? Mm. And, it's, and it, that always seemed to be what it was known for, almost mm. that, that this is the one where you don't play that, guy yeah. in the green armor and and it's it's weird because uh story length is another thing that gets mentioned a lot but having you know I've, I've completed halo 3 many times but i played it again recently before
0: we recorded that show and that game doesn't actually feel any longer than odst no not certainly not once you've ramp the difficulty up uh yeah. as well um We'll, we'll get on to our histories and sort of how we've played it and how many times. Um, so yeah, the the average review score according to Game Rankings, which is just a mean average of uh, 72 reviews in this case, uh, gives it 84.77%. Uh, and the game shifted about 6.3 million copies, which is only around half as many as, as Halo 3. And again... Clearly a massive failure. Only getting <laughs> yeah, mid, mid-80s terrible. as a review and only 6 million copies sold. Terrible disaster, yes. Um, but obviously another aspect to buying this package was that half of it or one of the discs was the Halo Three multiplayer exactly as it appeared yeah. in in the Halo Three box. So a lot of people, all the maps, yes, You yeah, well, yes. Um, but a lot of people who thought, "Am I? You know, do I want to pay forty pounds or sixty dollars or whatever it is for another?" What has been reported as a as a truncated campaign that used to be DLC. I guess some people weren't so keen, but. Uh, We'll that some of our correspondence sort of um, harks to that anyway, sort of uh, about people's expectations of the product. So we'll come on to that later, as we always do. Uh, so the uh, production lead was the excellently named Curtis Creamer on this one. And uh, the writer and creative director was Joseph Statton. Um, now, I'm not super familiar with all the roles uh, within Bungie. I know some of the names, Frank O'Connor and people like that. Um, but I don't know if these, the- obviously, these are people who have worked on halo before probably halo 3 but whether they were elevated or separated out to work on this particular this extra bit of of halo that happened i'm not entirely sure
1: it was um i was looking into this this um and there was a <laughs> um well there was a a, a vidoc recently with uh, joe staton who's now at microsoft studios mm. and um he was saying that um uh, it was a, a separate team to uh, to halo 3 that worked on this Sure and right. He was saying that it was it was a joy to actually work with an established engine which they then layered features on top on rather than yeah. the engine being built at the same time as the game. But um one thing that was in there as well was uh, they said that one animator did all of the cinematics in the game and it was yeah. his, it was his first big job so right. it it comes across as a I don't know, it comes across as a bit of a labor of love and I'm wondering if that's the reason that it eventually got the price tag that they went, you know, there's there's something a little bit special, a little bit different here, mm-hmm. and they weren't afraid yeah. of you know giving that a, a degree of bombast. And I'm sure there's a knock on effect to uh you know a Halo game coming out on the console anyway. But for me, this is a full price release. It's a, it's a little bit different. It's a little bit special.
3: Yeah, I mean, Joe Joe Stanton is one of the um you know quote unquote legendary names at Bungie mm. at that time. He he was uh, he took care of all the cinematics, and I remember watching the Halo 2 documentary uh, that, w- that was released. Uh, this is the old one. I, shouldn't, I should say it's not the one that, that came with uh, the Halo channel in mm. release of Master Chief Collection.
1: Oh, the one that was actually and- bundled in with the special edition of Halo 2.
3: Yeah, 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 there, yeah. Really and um, they were talking with him, and he was always saying that when it came to the cinematics, they were constantly trying new stuff. And I think we mentioned that, that originally the, the the facial acting wasn't great, but it was very limited technology. And he was always saying how he was constantly asking for an additional twenty four hours, just twenty four hours. <laughs> and what he was doing was putting everything else at risk because it was you know potentially he could have broken something else. But as you said, CJ, it was a complete labor of love for him, mm. um, and at although he would have wanted it to have been better. It was kind of like any artist. I don't think it would have ever been finished if he had his own way. Uh, But yeah, in terms of the cinematics, he always drove those in the cutscenes to try and add that little bit more detail, those little extra touches. Um, And and he was renowned for it. And he worked uh, on Halo 1 through...
1: I think it's interesting that the uh, that as a, a storyteller, as the man behind the actual uh, game tale itself, they, they were saying on this documentary that uh, he it was it was down to him with regards to the positioning of of fallen bodies on the floor. And even even down to you know bits of bits of trash or where the place that you know, that, that cars were and whether they were overturned or I find that fascinating. It's not somebody that's just sat down with a script and advised the team. It's like well I'll put that here and I'll put he's essentially building a set around which you know his story plays out. That's that's really cool.
2: I always got the feeling as well that, that you know as a it, it was a piece of it feels very much like maybe it was a piece of DLC that expanded and, and that's pretty much what it was. But yeah. You know, Microsoft and any other company, when they've got these big franchises, I, they never want people to just forget that they're there. So, you know, in in the regards of Call of Duty, it's every year you won't forget Assassin's Creed. Every year you won't get Halo's always been they, you know, well up until recently it has it has been like every couple of years they would try to fit something in, and it almost felt like ODST was there to bridge that gap between Free and Reach, you know, their two mainstays. And mm-hmm. I, I know Halo Wars came out be- between those two. But that was, you know, more for a specific audience. I feel, and it's very much like, okay, this was meant to be DLC, but we need something a bit more just to tide the fans over to keep the conversations going, and if anything, just to build up a little bit more hype for each.
1: I think yeah. storytelling-wise as well, this was the first point where uh, things went from uh, the, the widescreen cinematic of, uh, of of Master Chief and sort of his, uh, his his spunky AI to to something that was a, l- a little more warm and personal and i think they then took that instinct and went on to reach with that as well which again felt felt like it
2: was about a, a bond between people mm, you can uh, you, after no obviously we've played reach since but mm. it yeah you know, I, I don't think at the time you realized quite the, the stepping stone that that odst was going to be to reach it, yeah. it felt mm. very much like it was the you know they, they tried some ideas some techniques and, and actually when you compare it to reach there is quite a few similarities certainly with uh, in regards to story and character driven stuff yeah. and also think... you know it was a, a piece after Halo 3 that you know the master chief fight had technically come to an end at that point although we were led to believe that that's kind of the arc of the story to finish so to kind of go back into to his universe as we knew it with ODST was to me it was like okay, I another chance to kind of play play one of my favorite series before mm. you know Reach came out
3: i think uh, ODST was was key because I was reluctant to go into it without it being Master Chief, as as many people would, because you know Master Chief is synonymous with Halo, and if you, you're going to stick the Halo brand on something, then you expect the the lead protagonist to be there. But go, you know, you, you'd start playing, and you'd start thinking, well, this is, you know, I'm getting used to it, and you can see that that Bungie have weighed up. How similar do you keep it to Halo, and how much mm. do you change it? Um, and all of this, like you said, led towards Reach. And then by the time you get to Reach, it doesn't Reach doesn't feel so brave anymore, not having Chief and all that, and you, you feel like ODST is more than just the DLC. It's the one that sort of links where they were going with the Halo franchise and what they could do without that main protagonist. And it it always felt that that was. The key reason for this, and if it, if they'd got away with DLC, that's okay. But some people might not have picked it up. So let's let's be bold and put it out as a retail release, and <laughs> and add a bit of body to it. Uh, uh, you know, the the score, uh, more more detail to the story, add these characters in, and it all comes together. And it's it's the strangest thing because, you know, you can play ODST and it doesn't feel like Halo. But at the same time, there's something going. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is definitely Halo, <laughs> um, that, and that's something that ODST all it sort of walked a really strange I, I line. I that,
2: that, that, that All the marketing towards ODST played into that. I, I remember many a conversations being had about, well, you know, the dropship troopers are very different from the Master Chief, so you know you have to pick up med packs again. And was like, well, we haven't done that since one. What you know. Why, mm. um, and very much like you, you weren't overpowered, and it's you know it's one of the to me it's one of the highlights of what what makes o d s t mm. but certainly I feel like the marketing played very much into that like you aren't master chief, you are vulnerable to brutes, etc. you know it's you are you will die quickly if you're on the higher difficulty levels because you you don't have that armor set that um the master chief has so well, yeah, interesting. You know, if if you're going to talk about marketing, then you should probably mention the
3: television advert that went along with ODST, which I can honestly say, hands up, is my very favourite video game related advert. <laughs> uh, you know, Halo Three had a really good one with the with the uh, diorama. The diorama and stuff. This, mm. this one went through the sort of the museum, um, and, and what and the the person going and the entering as a getting the role as a as, as a drop shock trooper and, and going through and, and aging through that process. I just thought it was a really powerful advert. And um, there were people I know that weren't interested in Halo wanted to play it because the advert was that striking. Mm. And then there was the irony that I knew people that wanted to play, who loved Halo but didn't want to play it because it didn't have Master Chief. It was kind of strange. And at that point, obviously this was before I got my hands on it, I was wondering, would this have been better better off not having the Halo name attached to it, I, you know, obviously we'll discuss all this later on, but that advert made a huge impression on a lot of people, and it's something that I still watch that advert quite regularly on YouTube.
1: I think it shows as well that there's a, there's a, a confidence and a connection between Bungie and Microsoft at this point, that Bungie um, wanted to push this as a full price release, um, Microsoft wanted to back them with those kind of adverts, but but also... I mean, within the, the storytelling we mentioned, uh, I, I heard it. I heard someone say that, uh, I think it was uh, Mark of Classic Game Room was saying that uh, the way that the characters interweave and the the, the different sort of day-night cycle sort of uh, has a, a flavor of Kurosawa's uh, Rashomon about it mm, and the way that yes. everybody comes together at the end. And even in Reach, you've got the unusual style of storytelling where you see yourself die at the start of the game. Um, and they, they play into the epic tragedy that was that was reached and it's it's always interesting to see somebody push themselves as storytellers and try something different and it's rare to see that when you're looking at you know a pinnacle franchise for a, uh, it's for it's a company
2: you, you say that though but if you think the, you know the two games released in that four- year period between Halo free and Halo Reach you have Halo Wars and ODST you know mm-hmm. two you'd say two of the most you know, the strangest editions. To the mm. Halo franchise, uh, I mean, Wars probably deserves a whole show upon itself. We're not going to be doing it in the run, but it's that is an interesting game. But obviously, you know, once again, two titles I think were were aimed at a slightly narrower audience base, and yeah, I don't it, think they, either one suffers necessarily for that. Mm.
3: I think Halo is obviously a, a a mainstream franchise, and it's weird that ODST and Wars seem to have the, the, the you know, cult followings. They're the ones mm. you hear people talk about. They're, they're the ones that people sort of chime up and let people know that, you know, I really like this one. You know, it wasn't the main Halo re- reach, uh, release, but I really liked ODST or I really liked Halo Wars. And, you know, uh, between the announcements of these shows and the recording of this, we just had Halo Wars 2 announced mm. and the internet went absolutely crazy and, you you're almost led to believe that Halo Wars was a bomb and people didn't like it because it was an RTS. <laughs> and then they announced the sequel and everyone's like, oh, yes, it's the game I of the game. I think part wanting. of the excitement so, yeah.
0: for Halo Wars 2 is the developer, uh, the the, oh, pedic- pedic- the developer but yes uh, in the end i think a lot of people end up playing halo wars i'm kind of surprised they haven't given it away on games with gold yet um because it seems to tick a lot of the boxes for that maybe it's a bit too niche i don't know but i think um, with
1: with some of those sorted of games though like a, a halo wars or an odst that if people don't pick them up immediately they they normally sort of bottom out to, to a price where there might be uh, a point where somebody's going oh i've got nothing to play oh look that's Ten, fifteen 15 quid or I'll, I'll pick that up and i think sometimes that's where the little surprises can come in for other people and you what would initially seem like a, a niche audience compared to the bigger titles can suddenly sort of um have a little forward momentum because f- folks find something there that they that they love but perhaps not what they were expecting in the first place
0: yeah and also something we've talked about many times before is I think a lot of people would have been pleasantly surprised going into ODST based on the fact that those reviews were that you know that 10% lower than the mm. absolute raves that Halo Three got. So yeah. every time people go into a game like Last of Us or Ocarina of Time or whatever, anything with you know high 90s average reviews, people are waiting for it to do things wrong. Whereas a game that It's kind of hits mid eighties. People are going into it thinking, well, this will be all right. And then when it's a Mm. bit better than that, or whether they, you know, they enjoy it more than a bit. All right. They, they end up waxing lyrical about it. Um, I think that can have an effect, but, um, CJ, we don't actually know because you haven't joined us for a Halo podcast before, Um, you know, without going into your whole life story. um, When ODST came out, were you already somebody who picked up Halo games at launch? Had you played them all through multiple times or were you you more of a casual observer?
1: Uh, I've been a a Halo nerd for for quite a long time. Um, The first game absolutely threw the socks off me it felt like the little me the one that gawked in disbelief at star wars as a blighter mm. was suddenly mm. uh in a world of modern day smiles of trampolines that are that, that, that being thrown into this sort of spectacular intergalactic war um and from that point i was all in novels blu-rays special editions oh, wow. okay. encyclopedias <laughs> t-shirts all of that um i mean the, the first sight of odst was uh uh the shock drop troopers when it was called shock drop troopers um, which I, I still consider one of the best gaming trailers I've seen um, it, especially in times when Hollywood has to spell out an entire movie in five minutes <laughs> things here seemed much more subtle you've got uh, the mystery and the fast cuts of uh, of the, the ODSTs sort of dropping from the sky and the, the views from, uh, from around the city and then you've got Everything darkened and the music kicked in. You've got the, uh, the grunts and the Covenant wandering through the city. You've got the, the pop of the capsule as, uh, as the, the rookie was introduced. Um, and everything just felt really lonely and um, off kilter. We'd wandered around as this as this massive uh, nuclear turbo-powered fighter pilot in, uh, in the Master Chief, but it just felt that we were a, a human being now.
0: And yeah, that so- was
1: like, oh my god! And it played on this this level of mystery and build and darkness, and you saw. Um- the AI lighting the way with with one of the street signs, and then suddenly it went from there, and it built up and it built up, and it cracked into this uh, this chord change. It went like dan dun, at the end, like threw in this this real level of oh my god, there's an adventure ahead, and it, it put up like new hero, new campaign, prepare to drop. And at that point, I was in yeah. in in all day long. I was <laughs> I was really really excited.
0: It's good to hear, uh, but I, you know, I I know you uh, a bit and I I imagined you would have been uh, open to the idea of not playing the Master Chief. We've mm. already alluded to the fact that, anecdotally at least, we, we have heard from, we've seen people, you know, quote on the internet, you know, that they, for whatever reason, not being the Master Chief would put them off playing the game. To me, that just seems completely insane. Like, I've had a lot of fun playing as, as Master Chief in Halo games, but the idea that somehow the gameplay would be, you know, like significantly inferior because you were playing as a as a more human character. For me, I thought it would open up opportunities to mix things up a bit, which is exactly what it did. And we'll we'll get into that. So, so presumably, you were there day one. Then, CJ.
1: yeah, I, I mean, I I, um, I went to a midnight launch for it. Um, day but, zero. Yeah, there's there's, <laughs> there's something about a a Halo midnight launch, sort of late autumn on the cusp of winter. I got home from work, had my dinner, set an alarm for 11.30 and drifted off to sleep and then leaving the flat. Dreaming. Yeah, they're leaving the flat. There's this, there's this wonderful uh, sort of shimmer between sleepy eyes and the crisp frost of near midnight. And then you see the, the light of a shop in the distance and getting closer and there's a there's a queue outside. And in this case, there were Spartans outside as well. <laughs> um, a few folks have created some really amazing Spartan cosplays. There was a lass that was there as Coltana. Um, and the local store had a, a photo printer and they were charging punters two pounds to have their pictures taken with the Spartans and all the money went to a children's charity. Um, mm-hmm. Then it was sort of get home, kettle on, try and tickle as far in as possible before my eyes fell heavy again and the next <laughs> day of work came calling. But uh, yeah, I, I i I love halo midnight launches they they're fantastic
0: did you go on to uh play it uh on higher difficulties or in co-op or firefight or
1: i, I played um i played on uh heroic because that was the um they said if you were familiar with the games previously that was a that was the best yeah. one to to start at and i played on that then i went on to and, and finished it i played it on legendary and finished it um went back more than a few times after that because i just enjoyed. I enjoyed being around these characters and I enjoyed being within that world and um, there's something to be said when, especially when you've got, I mean I'd say a decent sound system, I have this kind of this one from Argos which which is quite bassy but uh, <laughs> just, just hearing the music cry at the start and um, you've got that the feeling of a, of a storm that had passed. And, you know, when you ran across the streets, you got the, the little splashes against your feet. And it just, it just seemed like a place where I could breathe in and sigh. And you, you'd heard beforehand of people finishing the game in three, four hours or whatever. And I, I'd never understand how you can be surrounded by that kind of world and that kind of atmosphere and not just want to
0: explore it. Mm. And there's uh, yeah there's a there's a whole bunch of stuff to to seek out if you want to uh, if you want to immerse yourself in the world. I mean, it, it, especially the the audio logs, which actually there are. Thirty of I think, or no, maybe there's not thirty audio. Yeah, logs, there's, but there's, there's thirty. There's twenty nine in the world, and then one hidden in data right. high yeah. of the level. Yeah, yeah. so um, so I mean that all fleshes out, uh, fleshes things out, and, and everything. So it just gives you gives you an excuse to spend more time there if, if you need it. I think there's a wonderful contrast
1: in those audio logs as well that you, you for the most part you're wandering through the shell of a city. Um, and it's, you know, it's, before you, it's rendered vast and empty, but we hear this blusterous tale of when it was full of people. You got mm. the shit, you know, the, the radio play of, of the Covenant invasion. And you get a real ten- taste for within the acting of, the, of real people fighting to survive and not just to get out, but at times help one another. You know, this that guy like, oh, why not have a kebab? <laughs> wait, wait. Every time, <laughs> and when, he's when got he, a
0: broken sword he, too, yeah. isn't he? <laughs> yeah.
3: And when I think wh- it is the same guy that give him some extra work.
0: And when <laughs> and when uh, the,
1: the the lady suggests that she's going back in, it was like, well, you should have two <laughs> But this, I don't know. This, it's it's so it's so wonderful to have that contrast to be pulled in in two directions, and especially when part of you is focusing on what's around the next corner to to have this this huge sort of bluster and, and, the, and the chaos playing in the back of your, uh, of, of your head is just, it's, it's glorious. I, I really, really love it.
3: I think one of the things I really admire in, in regards to the exploring the world is that all too often in games, we have a story where the emphasis is on stopping a tragedy happening. Mm-hmm. And we mentioned time and time again on this podcast how, when it comes to discovering sort of the collectibles or the audio logs or something it it takes you out of that. It's like well, that seems really strange that you would be doing this when you know this is going to happen, and yet in o d s t you are essentially um discovering the events that have happened anyway mm. so when you are because the main world uh, it takes place in a hub world of New Mombasa and you find an item that will take you to the next level and then you sort of foresee the events that were happening there. And this is how it all takes place. But in doing so, you're basically playing detective. So going out and finding these audio logs to the past that actually happened in New Mombasa felt completely natural and like actually belonged in the pacing of that game. So whether you wanted to race through the game, which I agree, CJ, is a horrific way... Mm -hmm. to to play this game. Or if you wanted to take your time and discover and go through, because there's so many buildings that you can go into that you wouldn't necessarily need to. And they've they've got different heights and there's verticality to the world. And, and as you said, the certain upturned cars or the way that trash is on the road or bodies of other soldiers or people on the streets and whatnot. And it, it all tells the story that if you're willing to spend your time and look for it, you can discover. And these audio logs are absolutely fantastic. And they tell a story Alongside the events that are happening with the other shock troopers, um, and I found that absolutely enthralling.
1: It's it's interesting with the way that he tells that story because and it, it's a very gaming mechanic that you're going to go up to a um, a phone that's ringing and yeah. you get an audio look. And I I don't know if that's perhaps uh, the superintendent that's giving you these these snapshots of the people that that the superintendent wants you to care more that it's that it's got these these little these little fragments that it wants you to understand about the city or i mean you you get the the instances where you will discover say a, a bent sniper rifle and your character on screen will look at it and will study the surroundings and then you'll go into the bluster that led up to that but i i never knew with the rookie and this is this is probably purely in the back of my head that the little bits of audio that plays to link those two sections or the bits with the phone, I never knew if it, if maybe there was something a little bit more than than be just being a, a human being. Maybe there was some sort of cognitive ability, or uh, in back of my head, I, I always wondered if it was mm-hmm. someone who was uh, because they were the strong silent type. Perhaps they were a Native American or something that there was there was something a little bit more about them that they they could. Uh, they could sense these things within within the world. And I don't know, I, a lot of these things sort of played around in my head when I was going through the uh, yeah. the Xbox One version again. And I like that conversation. It makes it more and more interesting to go back to the game and constantly challenge those ideas and, and see which fit and which don't. And that's, and that, that's there is is really cool.
3: It does that thing as well, where just as it's about to be brought up in a conversation, you, you know, you have to move. There's, there's bits yeah. where Veronica Dare goes, "Oh, you know," and she's surprised that it's you in, say, the Data Hive level. Yeah, and you feel like that's the moment you're going to actually find out who you are. But it's like, no, we've got we've got to go because the events that are happening with, you know, Virgil, the character Virgil, um, the superintendent, uh, the, those the are that TE occurring. You. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Vir- Virgil's actually the. the It's really weird because the the main story behind... Because it has two storylines that are happening. You've got one, which is the events of Sadie and Desha, which is... That's what you're hearing in the audio Mm. logs. Um, And that's how you're finding out what happened in Mombasa. Um, And they take place through those uh, samples of clips that were recorded by the superintendent, which was an artificial intelligence that was built by Sadie and Desha's father, uh, Daniel. And... It's almost a bit 1984 Big Brother style um, that the it's sentient enough to be able to look after her, and it will cause it tries to keep her out of danger um, as part of his subroutine. And it's a really powerful computer that that is essentially able to run the entirety of New Mombasa. Um, and there are events where you hear like she's trying to join the UNSC and um he stops uh, the superintendent stops the traffic from moving, etc., which makes it really difficult for her. And then the uh the superintendent has to be shut down um by Commissioner Kinsler. Um and it gets turned back on by the engineers. Now the engineers are huragox, which this is the first time they're actually seen in the Halo series. Mm-hmm. And they don't actually appear in the original Halo trilogy, but they are still considered canon, which makes them a really interesting character. Um, and they're actually forerunner uh, intelligence. Hmm. And they're just like fixing things. So it fixes the superintendent, turns it back on, but it's not in a condition to work. So it actually takes the superintendent's information into itself. And obviously in the meantime, the superintendent has picked up the information of what the covenant are actually after and hmm. why they are focusing on new Mombasa. And that storyline's happening at the mean, whilst your crew are sort of completely unaware now veronica who is the overall leader knows but book or nathan fillion doesn't and you you work for him and these events you're trying to discover mission to mission, whilst this storyline's happening in the background, and obviously towards the end of the game it actually comes together. And it, I just found it a really interesting way of telling the story because they actually come together really naturally. Yeah, there's uh, so, there's so to, many
1: disparate elements, but they don't yeah. seem like they're 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 too far away from each other. There are those those strings that you can pull out if you wish to, um, but also that's, you can you can look at that and you can treat it almost as like a a, a buddy cop movie or the the, the magnificent yeah. seven when you when you're wandering through it and again I, I i like that it's not just going this is the way it is and trying to funnel you down um one train of thought that's fantastic
3: and it's obviously the, the prior halo games halo 2 may be a side where you actually have the arbiter with you um mass chief's capable of doing everything on his own you know, it,
0: he, has, kind of. he has
3: Cortana with him, but she's an AI. So in terms of actually physically doing right. stuff on his own, he's the, the lone soldier. Uh, whereas in this, you're a human orbital drop shock trooper and you're part of a squad and you're incapable of doing everything on your own. And you end up having to bring in uh, the help of the engineer, uh, Virgil, and, you know, the, the other soldiers and, and Veronica, and that that was really a different sense of pacing compared to Halo's one through three, um, and it, again it played
2: very differently to how you were Master Chief, and that could have been it, another alien factor in reviews. It's funny you say that, though. I, I think that that's true in the in the kind of the Hub World, New New Mombasa world. Um, but I, I never really got the sense of that when I played it in the actual you know the story elements outside of that so the actual you know the actual levels that you play in yeah. even in in there I still felt like it was a bit like business as usual um maybe it's just because you know first person shooting etc it just makes more sense but in New mambasa maybe it was the the glow of the streets or the the kind of kind of um repressive nature maybe of the tone of that area like i always did feel like maybe i don't want to get into this battle in this section here i can just maybe sneak yeah. past to the left or right and and not engage but i have to say in the main story elements that I, that never really came across again it was very much jump in the warthog do my thing kill things and maybe yeah this time i might need to pick up a med pack and and not worry about it see where for me you were always on your own in the hub world
3: where, which is why you could avoid it because yeah. you, you're not an invulnerable, you know, super soldier. Whereas in the levels, you more often than not actually had an AI around in that level, whether it was in, uh, Book or Dare, etc., um, or Mickey. And that's why, for me, it always felt like you were going through um, with someone. And obviously, I played it through in court. But that aside, you always seemed to have an AI figure with you. Um, whereas in in Halo, that didn't ever it, really feel
2: like I have, in, in Halo 1 through 3. That didn't feel like I have such a mix of emotions set with this game, uh, more so than I'd say, than any because ugh, I don't know. I've, I've reconsidered my opinion on two <laughs> since uh, playing it for the show again. But um, I, I think it, it's a really it strikes a really odd balance between the, the hub world and the main levels. Yeah, you know, the hub world I find fascinating, if not at times frustrating. Um, the, the main play levels. I find um, that they maybe they were meant to be like the best of kind of like just little. They're never ever long, so they're they're always seemingly about twenty five minutes to forty, maybe at max on some of the later ones. But very like snapshots of what a main Halo game would be, and I never really felt like I got particularly every time. I, okay, every time I felt like this is going somewhere, it would end, and and I get in the context of story why why it would be that. But I, I was always left wanting more, and whether it be more of the streets mm. or more of the actual gameplay, and, and that's where I think it being a piece of DLC from the outset probably does play a little bit into the game. Um, there's plenty Stafford of things to like. i did say
1: that 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 um, many parts of it they wanted to do a hit parade of the most fun things to do yeah. in the Halo universe, and I think that if you are wanting more with that, that I, that personally for me is one of the reasons why I kind of like to go to go back because nothing. Particularly outstays its welcome, and it feels it feels if the if the Halo games are the big are the big movies, this feels like the TV series, and I, I like it for that.
0: Yeah, I had no uh, no interest at all in really in the story of the the other uh, troopers. Um, I, I I loved being rookie. I liked being a silent protagonist because I do, and I love the atmosphere of those sections, and I love the music. And I loved playing the levels uh, that were, you know, told of what happened in, in New Bombassa. But frankly, I didn't, I had no interest in the characters, even though that, you know, that you've got the this sort of celebrity voice cast, including three of the cast of Firefly, Nathan Fillion, Baldwin and Tudyk. And you've got Nolan North as well. And you've got Trisha Helfer playing Dare. You've got this kind of uh, predictable soap opera relationship between Buck and Dare. Um, you end up with a... Uh, a an escort mission with a comedy what looks like Rod Hull's emu with no legs floating (laughs) about who actually lights a cigar at the end of the game in comedy sidekick fashion. Um, And while I I thoroughly enjoy playing the game, but as somebody who isn't invested in the Halo story for the reasons discussed on previous podcasts, I just don't think it's very interesting. And I I don't find it very interesting, I should say. And I don't find it um, something that it's just not an aspect of, Halo that makes me want to play it. Individual character moments I I can sometimes enjoy between Master Chief and Cortana and whatever else. And there's a few, you know, there's a few bits in here where Nathan Fillion is typically charming and all that sort of thing. But I couldn't really tell you the difference between the different troopers. I couldn't tell you what their personalities were supposed to be beyond grizzled veteran. I'm sure it's all in there in the writing and it's supposed to be there in the performances. But ultimately that whole side of things was Just completely meant nothing to me. Um, But I did. I did think the. I enjoyed. I very much enjoyed playing the hub. Um, It reminds me more more than anything of um, a game which came after Deus Ex: Human Revolution. It's got a very similar vibe to that. The kind of cyberpunk, uh, you know, rain-soaked neon future. And I think the actual designs of the 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 sort of set pieces for the for the action levels outside of the hub uh are you know as strong as anything in in halo um and i quite like the fact that they're kind of more contained and bite-sized but uh speaking as the dissenting voice about how thrilling the plot was uh mm. not at all for me
1: but if you can still go through a game and and enjoy it for the the, the combat and how much you how much you're, you're thrilled by it that's still really cool because the, the story is not particularly yeah. forcing itself upon you um i mean i i'd one of the things i've always enjoyed about the halo games is that they use the full paint box they can scare you as much as they can make you giggle you can be stuck in a moment where you know you you hear the beep 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 and you've hardly got any energy left and there's something in the in the darkness yeah. ahead of you or like you'll get a
3: he's a devil!
1: um and i i i do oh, like that yeah wow. i i i love that sort of stuff <laughs> and even even through through this you know i i can there were the thrills there and uh there was a there was a there was a line by um I think it was uh, Dare where she she punches Buck in the face and she was like, yeah. That's for avoiding the that's for not completing the mission. And then she kisses him and she's like, and that's for coming back, which is all it's a really sort of 1950s mm. uh Carrie Grant style line. Um and then he, uh Fillion comes out with a, uh, an
2: absolute bell to where he's like Remember, rookie. If you do fall for a woman, make sure she's got balls. Where, where do we stand on, on the inclusion of Fillion? And once again, the, the faces in Halo aren't the greatest thing. So, oh I I find as as much as like you know, I like Nathan Fillion. I really do. I think he's a, a very good actor, and I generally like. him think he's in. Um, but I do find it, his inclusion in this, and I know he's he is a massive Halo fan, and yeah. I understand how you know, those two things cross over and you end up in the game. Yeah, you know, why not? Why not? Because maybe it's just it it to me it's slightly distraction distracting. Yeah. Every time I see him I'm like, man, that's a really bad looking Nathan Fillion. That's a messed up faced t- yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that, I find I it agree. a little bit more distracting. Yeah, I along with Leon, I think if you took him out of it, then the story becomes a little bit even more irrelevant because I wouldn't necessarily know who he was comparatively to anyone else. It's just the fact that I, he's a target man and I get it. But yeah, I, I I found the whole storytelling aspect of it as much as like the space opera of of Halo. We talked a lot about it. You know, some of it works, some of it doesn't. Some of it's a bit camp. Um, <laughs> some of it's you know overwrite Maybe there's just something about this being a more personal adventure that that plays out in the hub world. But every time they they cut back to the characters and like Leon, I just I found myself just actually not being that interested in what really happened here but more interested by the the tangible atmosphere of the hub world but every time i got into the the play environment i was like i've done this a lot and i think it's been better handled by other games in the series because you know this is what the other games in the series do yet the hub world i'm fascinated with because this is so different from anything well, we've I, seen in the I halo series hmm.
0: the the radio player uh, as uh, was it cj put it i think you know that sort of is cooking interest though. The radio it, yeah, play. I mean it, it I I enjoyed it but it but it wasn't yeah it's not like the most um I I, I don't think they spent as much on the acting budget well, for I'll, that yeah, as they when, did for the- when CJ and uh Carl was, was talking about the radio play. I mean
2: I I'm with you. I mean it you made it sound epic but actually in my opinion reality it it's not as engaging as that it, it feels quite, you know, quirky like the acting's not particularly great in it. I don't I didn't feel like a desperation in the characters in the city. It's just this is you can hear the city kind of destroying around it. And I love the kebab scene and that's <laughs> that's funny. But I that's exactly it. I I kind of found it more just Vaguely funny and, and interesting and Also, rather it's very easy to miss look.
0: tons of it as well. If you're not if you're yeah. not focused on that, you can end up only getting like I think on my recent playthrough, I just went back and played it through on normal and uh, and I think I got ten of the audio logs. So um, it's well worth yeah. getting thirty. It yeah yeah. I mean absolutely. If I'd had more time and and, and I think I probably got more back in two thousand nine. But even then, I you know my my first playthrough of this was in co-op. I think with our own Jay and possibly Alex from your old podcasting partner, from Digital Cowboys and A.N. Other. I, don't know if, I can't remember. It could have been Carl. It could have been somebody. I'm not sure. But um, I think we played it through on Heroic on day one and and uh, it was a lot of fun, you know, as co-op Halo tends to be. And we'll talk about your recent playthrough in a bit because it sounds amazing. But, um, well, I, I mean, I, I played it on, on
2: Legendary on, on day one along with my you know, my fellow people who have been playing Halo 3 nonstop with. Um, and I was one of those guys. I beat it in just under three hours. Um and and got to see that yeah you know, I guess that all the moments I could in months at a time it doesn't mean that I haven't been back to it you know, a number of times and explored all the elements of that game um, yeah it's a shame it can be completed in three hours but like you say I I think if the all can. yeah I think if <laughs> to to me spending time in the streets is really interesting and actually playing um, playing it in solo it's it's one of those ones where. If you're paying attention, the game guides exactly where you should be going. But if you're not, it's easy to get lost in the streets. Um, There's lots of kind of areas that lead into areas, and sometimes it doesn't make sense that you need to go through doors. You can find yourself at dead ends, and the Covenant can be dropping behind you, which leads you in a difficult situation of trying to fight your way through. And then, So it, it plays a really interesting game of feeling tense, at times lost. I mean, Halo has never really, as far as I can remember, Dealt with the feeling isolated and lost. It's always let's get through this and, and finish this this fight. So I I love the turnover shift and I and I think you know it being dark and uh, the way it looks you know plays fantastically in the ODST.
1: The one thing that I've always wanted to do, which every time I play it I, I keep thinking, yeah, you should do a run through that's purely like this, and I've never gotten around to it. Is do it without the scanner on. Because there's this point, you know, where you get the fling and it, it sort of does that pencil sketch around all the, the trees and where enemies are and stuff. Yeah. But there's certain points where I've not had that on and it's pitch black and it's mm-hmm. terrifying. You just got that wonderful sort of VCR uh science fiction 80s bleed of the of the reds and the uh, and there's such light coming from the from the lights, and I, I I keep thinking I bet this is like a survival horror game. If you leave that scanner mm.
0: off on a higher difficulty, maybe yeah, um, you'd struggle to see some of the um, the beacons that you're trying oh, yeah. to find. Oh yeah, I mean out. I
1: mean you'd you'd have to when you when you hear the
3: you'd
1: have to sort of uh, switch it on to to find the item, but otherwise I, I don't know. I'm in, I'm intrigued to see how well that kind of playthrough can can go because. Uh, yeah, the, the the streets are in certain places are, are much more dimly lit than they are in others.
0: That brings us nicely on to the uh, a few of the changes. I think it's important that we describe um what is the difference about not being the master chief. Um so the visors is is uh, are a, are a thing. Um so rookie's got this particular uh enhanced thing. Um it seems to be I don't know if it's just because the environments they're in, but when you activate it on, on the other uh, troopers, it seems to give you a... a, a um, yeah, it's probably the same thing, isn't it? But it's light enhancement in the light just makes it very bright. Is that right? I They've think got, um, it,
3: it, it's got a threat detector in there as well. So yeah. enemies show red, your teammates show a certain thing, pickups on the floor, et cetera. Yeah. And it also lightens any area so that you can yeah. actually see into the dark. So it's the equivalent of Master Chief's
0: torch. Yeah, you don't have a torch. Is that yeah, right? Is, is uh, it the, or is a it, motion tracker has had
1: arkham asylum come out by this point because i always wondered if it was sort of their version same, of the yeah, sort of so yes, the same
0: scanner. Year. uh it, they came out within a couple of months of each other so mm. it wouldn't they yeah. wouldn't have had probably think, wouldn't have had an influence i
3: think arkham asylum was august yeah this was september this was september so, yeah. oh, okay. so it's uh, more coincidence than anything yeah. um
0: in, ter- in terms of development but it but look, look, yeah, it did it, it certainly does look like, like that. that yeah um, other elements uh, that uh, well, the fact that you're lower lower to the ground mm-hmm. just gives a slightly different feeling as well. The, the yes. fact that you're two foot your your view is two foot lower makes it feel like quite a different experience. To because one of the weird things about being Master Chief for ages, I like when I first played Halo back in 2002, I was like. This is weird because I didn't really know I was supposed to be a, an eight foot tall, whatever he is. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, why am I so lanky? Why? Why? Yeah. And it and it does make perfect sense. But now you're like a human, you know, you're a you're a cool trooper, but you're a human sized guy. Um, and that that gives a slightly different feel to everything, makes the enemies feel a bit kind of larger and more imposing. Yeah. Um, you've also got silence weapons, which is uh, almost completely new thing, I think. Completely new or almost completely new. Probably completely new. Um you got there's a couple there's a silenced pistol which is zoomable and, and fireable again like the original pistol in uh, combat evolved and you've also got a silenced um, automatic of some kind i don't know what it's called you got the submachine gun Sub, that, that yeah. no one should ever be using because it's
3: awful it's bit, but then
0: again it's meant to be awful it's a bit puny yes the the pistol the pistol is the one if, <laughs> if you want a silenced weapon but there's also there's a lot of sniping in this particular game and uh, with the with the covenant beam rifles and the occasional appearance of the uh, of the unsc uh, i mean
3: it, it's the standard array of halo weapons from that point on other than the minor change to sort of, sort of the pistol uh, i believe everything else is the same
0: yeah they removed uh, dual wielding out of this one apparently one of the 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 lead developers on this particular piece was not a fan so they cut it out and also it makes sense um you know the idea yeah. that the master chief can hold two completely different weapons, both with their own kickback and weight and whatever, whereas a, a normal shock trooper can't. And also I think one of the key things is that health packs make a return. Mm. This was when health packs were already starting to become highly unfashionable. You know, Call of Duty had dropped them years before and um, we hadn't seen them in Halo since the original uh, combat evolved. But here, not only uh, when you get hurt as uh, as rookie or any of them, do they really start wheezing and clutching and gasping for breath and a- uh, actually making it sound painful. You've got uh, an increasingly urgent beeping if you ever dip below mm. uh, maximum health and uh, you have to uh, look around for either dropped health packs or from health pack units. And again, that changes the, both the feel and the dynamic of the combat. And because you don't have a shield, you have stamina right yeah i didn't i mean it doesn't really make much difference that. no it, it's, it's 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 a nomenclature but um but it's yeah it's it's a point point worth making you do yeah
1: yeah i I found that because you've got the human aspects of these characters, but because you could genuinely hear them hurting that that made me sort of tense up a lot of the time and just hear when you're hearing like the i don't know i it's uh it again um, brought me closer to these characters that were already yeah. I'd already got a relationship between them, but the fact that I I cared for them enough that I felt my own humanity within them when they got hurt within this, you know, spectacular glittering uh, science fiction sandbox. That's that's pretty
0: cool. But again, I guess those people who the biggest kick they get out of the Halo games is the power fantasy of being the eight yeah. foot tall impregnable. Well, I mean, you're not impregnable ever in Halo, but, uh, feeling tough. I, I guess that's where the, the concerns from though, you know, the vocal concerns for some of those is, well, I don't get to have that power fantasy. I'm just some, you know, just some regular dude. But for those of us who actually enjoy that mm. at least as much, if not more, it's, it's, um, yeah, it's, a, it's a welcome change. I think.
1: As another, as another little, uh, Little sort of change or a, uh, something different that appeared in the game. Having been through the other the other Halo games, it was really cool to see one of the Pelicans being used for a different thing other than uh, <laughs> just the army stuff. When you saw the police version that um, that drops uh, sort of just before that 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 fight with the grunt, I was like, that's really cool. They're, they're not just big military vehicles
0: that mm. they are. The all-purpose, are yeah, the all-purpose craft. They,
1: you know there could be an an ambulance version or a police version or a,
0: that's that's really cool now we must talk about the soundtrack uh, first up I want to uh, quote a little from an interview which was in uh, or on oneup.com back at the time around the time of release um, starting with a quote from uh, Martin O'Donnell of course says ODST has a different approach to storytelling and character development than we've done in the past although you play mainly as a mostly silent rookie you also play in flashbacks as other main characters you always return to the rookie persona after each flashback and the mood of the game changes with each return the rookie is mostly alone in a rainy deserted except for aliens destroyed city regardless of the high action or intense flashback sequences. I wanted to make certain that the mood of The Rookie felt consistent. A film noir detective mood was one of the guiding principles for that feeling. Except for The Rookie, O'Donnell and Salvatore didn't compose themes with the other characters in mind, though some themes suited certain characters and became paired with them anyway. And while the game's setting in New Bombassa inspired some Afro-Cuban percussion pieces, O'Donnell focused mostly on the feel of the empty metropolitan nighttime environment with plenty of rain. Salvatori agrees. We were looking for a lonelier, more sparse feel he says. While we strayed from that on occasion, it is a halo game after all. I think the overall feel is a bit darker and less epic. In addition to the orchestra, the music also strongly features piano, saxophone and electric guitar to further underline the game's darker tone. Though the styles may shift easily from orchestral action music to ambient to rock and roll, even some nice small combo jazz, it's that moodier palette that ties everything together.
1: There's a bit of theremin in there actually
0: as well today, which I noticed. Wow, that's the the classic 50s uh, sci-fi instrument. Um, Yeah, I noticed also that as well as O'Donnell and Salvatore, um, C. Paul Johnson is also credited, who apparently did some work on Halo 3, as well as Stan Lapard of Microsoft, who uh, previously worked on Crimson Skies games. Uh, which is a franchise that came into my head completely randomly the other day, thinking we should do a Crimson (laughs) Skies podcast. Uh, We should have another Crimson Skies game. Will it ever happen? No. But um, but yeah, the soundtrack, I didn't make many notes when I was playing back through this again um, in preparation for this podcast. Uh, I had a good time. I I enjoyed playing it. But the thing that really stood out and the the thing that I realised I'd missed, because I haven't owned a copy of ODST and I don't own the soundtrack, was going back and hearing that music again with yes. all those influences exactly as described in the article there. Um, the thing that springs to mind a lot for me is Vangelis and the Blade Runner soundtrack, but there, yeah. there's lots of other stuff in there. And it really, it, it's a great, for me, it's a great example of how much the, the musical score, even when it's by the same people, and there are even certain sounds and and Key, uh, key changes and chord progressions which will evoke the halo series but there's lots of new stuff which gives this game when combined with all the other stuff we've just talked about not being a spartan it, a completely unique atmosphere among the series
1: i think that to I mean, that, that aspect of emotion uh, can be interjected so wonderfully by the different different moods of the music as well i mean there's there's one favorite bit that i've got that i always look forward to to get into uh whenever i'm playing where the the main team has uh destroyed a building and it cuts back to the rookie and it's Mm. sunset and you see this beautiful burning building in the distance and the plumes of smoke going into the into the you know the the burgeoning night sky and and it just kicks in with that wonderful soft piano of that and it's just oh it's it's wonderful i it's it's one of those where forever i've wanted to take a picture of it and did today on the xbox ah, one i was shot. like yeah hmm. yeah but um glorious to 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 catch a breath at, at at such i don't know you see a burning you think of a burning building in the distance and in, in the sunset and you think that it, it can't be it can't be beautiful, but yeah, it it really caught me off guard, especially the first time. Ruined. Destroyed beauty, yeah.
3: It's a really interesting score. Mainly, obviously, as we've covered, that it is quite different. And everyone raves about Halo scores anyway, so it it's odd that this veers so differently away and yet is regarded to be at least as good as the as the original. People main, really love it as well here. Storylines, yeah. yeah. It's super popular, and. Um, I played through this game again uh, prior to this podcast with Tony Mm -hmm. um, and John, like we did with uh, Halo 3. And me and Tony, had obviously we'd played ODST before and it was John's first time. Now I was a huge fan of the score and there were times when me and Tony would be like, oh, this bit of music that's coming up. Yeah, just listen. And then, you know, after we'd all be talking about it, John would start talking about this score, you know, and, and, I was talking to him today and he was discussing how how good that ODST score was and it seems that that whoever you talk about ODST with that inevitably the score will be raised um you know I've mentioned again on podcasts on this podcast before how Blade Runner is artistically my very favorite movie mm. for its score and its and its visuals mm. and um uh, like uh, CJ mentioned at the start, I'm, I'm a big fan of Rashomon the movie, um, and that's obviously very distinct with its rain, and uh, as is Blade Runner and that score. So the second that I'm in New Mombasa Hub world, I it, it I'll sit I'll happily just you know set the controller down, mm-hmm. leave it there, listen to the music, taking you know the, the the sights and whatnot, and it I just find it a very uh, you know. It. Yeah, very evocative and very powerful. Yeah. Every single time that I'm in it, no, I mean, I think I've completed ODST for the for the sixth time. Last night I completed it, and it still gives me pangs of feelings. It's very powerful, brave games well, we, we, design because mm-hmm. you know, you know, Leon, you mentioned earlier that that with the Halo games you. The story isn't necessarily always there and you'll, you will you can talk with people and they'll say, well, Halo doesn't really have a story, mm-hmm. does it? And then you get people who are huge fans of the Halo franchise going, what? Yeah. It's probably got more story than, than nearly anything else out there. But if you don't get the story, the, the score might be what yeah, attracts yeah. you or the, the great shooting or the the level design there's there seems to always be something that it's excelling at for someone hey. who gives it a chance and and i absolutely love that feeling about it and it, and it's something that many other games don't do you know tj mentioned the humor that this game has um odst probably focuses on the humor more than the, than the first three and it never fell out of place it does have that that camaraderie between between colleagues and um, at times, it goes towards the uncharted territory where the uncharted games has that sort of humour, and, and Nolan North's uh, Drake is very similar to Nathan Fillion's um, book. You know, I wonder why. Um, and <laughs> that that for me fits this game, and for many reasons, it shouldn't. And even if it didn't, add would like it for the shooting. Like, I would never go and play an uncharted game for its shooting. Because the, it's the rest of that experience, the storytelling and whatnot, that gets me. But I'm quite fortunate that for me, Halo has a little bit of everything that I like. Mm. But even for someone like Leon, I love the fact that he can play it whilst not taking in the story because he can totally appreciate the combat in that game, which is, yeah. Get, you know, and the, general, the Halo games the general, general st- mood And the
0: vibe and, and you know, the, the, yeah. the, it's like the scenario I dig. It's just the actual plot, the plotting and the ca- and. and yeah, mainly the plot. I don't, I don't really care about. But I, I love being in the world, and I love, you yeah, know, I love the individual enemies and and that sort of. thing. But with the score as well, I, you know, I think
2: it's a phenomenal score. If you just took you know ODST as a game on its own, but I think in context of it sitting within the Halo franchise, I think it's utterly sublime. Um, it's almost like Martin O'Donnell has been given just free reign to, to just go slightly off key. I mean, Halo's score is obviously Combat Evolved score is is legendary. Um, and But you feel that to, both two and three at this point, they're just variations of that main theme. Now, that's not entirely a blanket statement. Of course, he, he's done some other original pieces around there. But you feel like there's a main theme that plays through all three of these games. And that theme is present in ODST, but it's completely masked over with more interesting, subtle tones. Um, ODST is, is exactly that, you know, Halo in the past has been quite bombastic. In, in um, for the majority, of course, it has quieter, slower moments. But Odst, it really feels like Martin O'Donnell has been given the chance to just show off what he what he's actually capable of as a composer. He's not just a one kind of trick pony that can play around with the same theme that you know, is superb as it is, you feel like, well, is there more to his portfolio? And, and clearly there is. And clearly this was a yeah. chance for him to actually express himself like, you know, I I am very, very good at this. And, you know, here is just a completely different take on um, the main theme and the world. And it is really a, you know, evocative. People talk about like it's the smoky jazz. You, you would never say, you know, think that would somehow link in with any kind of Halo game. Here it works sublime, and I think it's why the street section for me is so powerful. Combined with the, the the more loneliness, which is not the the normal feeling of Halo. Combine that with the the score, which is really emphasising that and the detective kind of nature feel of what's happened within the city. It you know once again we talked about Halo. It, it sells the feeling of being in that time and place. Um, I I may be of Leon, where I think the story is slightly more um, kooky and doesn't quite entirely play out the way that it probably should but those streets and that soundtrack together are absolutely one of the highlights of the entirety of the Halo franchise series
1: one of the uh, a great quote that I saw today from uh, O'Donnell was um regarding the score was he said that um I'm not writing for a cyborg I'm writing for a human being mm. which I, I think mm. is is really it, it encapsulates exactly what's there i mean i i bought the um the soundtracks for uh for odst and reach and there's a there's a wonderful there's wonderful storytelling with the way that the um the pieces are curated from the start to the finish of the soundtrack but you know when you listen to a game soundtrack and you can go yeah that's there that's there that's there and you can you're always playing the game in your own head because you're remembering yeah, yeah. your own adventures and and the individual pieces are so specific and so beautiful that they resonate with the time and the memories that you that you've made that's that's really special
3: yeah i I, you've got music has this incredible thing in in any way whether it's video games or actual music of allowing you to remember a certain place you were at that moment um and in terms of video games it's something that i have with collector's editions you know i always get people lecturing "Oh, what a waste of money or something but if i finish that game and i look at that collector's edition figurine or, or whatnot, I'll immediately remember some of the memories that I've had in that game. But with music, it's that very specific moment in that game. of mm. uh, 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 Whether, you know, as you mentioned, after Only Alpha Site, when the building's blown up and you get that music <sighs> comes through. Or Sublime. Halo, A, a <laughs> perfect example is Halo 3, the first time you boot it up and you have that Halo mm. theme in full five around around. Yeah, and it's just all of a sudden, just goosebumps all over. And just... They, they almost didn't want to press start to go into the game and an ODST has it's more precise it's less bombastic it's very um it's obviously way more moody and it just we've, we've already said that for new Mombasa it completely fits where you are you 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 feel lonely you feel vulnerable um it, the world's intimidating and he's just knocked it out of the park and I, I, I described when we were playing it that I'm a huge fan of all the Halo scores, but in terms of listening to them outside of the game, a lot of the time there's many tracks that, that work way better within the game than they do just listening to the piece of music. Whereas ODST is a score where I can listen to the whole album mm. outside of the game mm. and enjoy it.
0: Yeah, it's more intimate, and uh, and for me, as somebody, uh, you know, alluding back to what you were saying, as somebody who doesn't care very much about the over overall plot story of of Halo, the the mu- if it wasn't for o'donnell and salvatore doing so much of the heavy lifting like emotionally telling me what i'm supposed to be feeling and caring about <laughs> i don't think i'd probably get as much out of it even though you know the gameplay could still be identical and whatever i think it's such a huge part of it um what i really want to hear about um is uh now we've all played through this game multiple times as uh as discussed me just a couple or maybe three i'm not sure but uh uh, but some of you, um, including Carl, Tony, and uh, Tony's uh, colleague and friend of the show, John, uh, have recently played through ODST um, on Legendary Co-op and with all skulls on. Is that right? The the three of us did it on Legendary on Legendary, okay. all the way through the campaign. Right.
3: And I did legendary all skills on solo.
0: Okay, well, tell me uh, first. Talk about the co-op uh, experience and uh, what what that um, brings to the to the odst party. I mean, does it detract from? We're talking so much about this moodiness and lonely it does, ambience yeah. that that yeah. can't be there really in the, in the co-op. Mean,
2: for it? people that've been following the series, where we talked, I talked a little bit about this in Halo Three, where you feel in four-player co-op, even on legendary, you feel completely overpowered. Um, for the environment that you are in, and that pretty much stays the same in ODST. It's nothing's really a challenge. Even the the, the street sections, where if you're playing single, and I actually think two-player co-op works perfectly fine in that regard as well. But once you start getting to three and four-player co-op, the street sections you can kind of just mow your way through and it not being yeah. a big deal. And um, certainly anybody that's, you know, if you've played it a few times as well, that you know you're going, you're not going to get lost. You generally just avoid battles, etc. I don't think it's the, the best experience to have the first time experience with it. Although, you know, mm. the, the John, who we were playing with, seemed to enjoy it quite a bit. Um Yeah, I, I think... For the best experience, you you really need to play that either in single player or just as a buddy kind of piecing things together. The yeah. story actually doesn't yeah. actually add up when you start adding extra players on screen as well. You don't feel Full like rookies. yeah, you <laughs> don't feel like the, the sole guy landing in the streets trying to piece his stuff together when you got you know three other people running in front of you saying this way.
3: I I should add that it wasn't just us three. We also had yeah, Darren yeah, um, from the podcast was with us who uh, was originally going to be on this show but couldn't make it and. Um it, it was the four and when I originally played ODST, I played uh, obviously the three sixty and I played with the same friend that I played the other Halo games with that I continually mention and we played it legendary. And for me, it works brilliantly as a two player legendary experience. Mm-hmm. In four player, you or it's all it's very rare you fail. Um because you can sort of manipulate the checkpoints you can manipulate the enemies around you it's still a thoroughly enjoyable shooting experience but it loses that threat of being difficult um and and halo thrives on that it's it's something that we've alluded to and i know it's something that um will will bring up in the reach or in term in terms of playing legendary solo and how it how it can be balanced out in in terms of risk reward and in four player legendary there's just no risk reward um because there's you know you're removing the risk almost entirely it's just a very fun experience uh but it's not the optimal way to play it uh, i think two player legendary is much more enjoyable
0: or solo hmm. solo works as well but how about the uh the action sequences that i assume that was as much fun as ever and and you know making the checkpoints on halo how does it work in this one is it the is it the harsher system or the more gentler system? Yeah, the more, the yeah, the more lenient. Yeah. Checkpoints are checkpoints. Incredibly gentle. <laughs> nice. So, Carl, all skulls on. Um, for the uninitiated, <laughs> uh, what does that actually... Firstly, how do you get the skulls? Secondly, what does turning them on do? And thirdly, how does that, yeah, how, how does that play out <laughs> for you? Well, there are many skulls across the Halo games
3: and, and each has an impact on 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 several things one is that they add a multiplier so every level you can get a score on a leaderboard mm-hmm. score old school video gaming score leaderboards um and the higher the difficulty the multiplier so if you're playing on legendary it's a four times multiplier immediately um, you have a part-time and the part-time once you hit over that part-time your multiplier starts to decrease but schools will also add to it and many have different effects so you have and the likes of Catch, which causes enemies to throw way more grenades. Um, You have a skull that will cause enemies to dodge more. You have a skull which will cause you to have absolutely zero heads-up display, including your reticule. Um, You'll have another that puts every enemy to the class above where they are. Mm. So difficult Brutes become an even more difficult Brute. Uh, And in total, there are 12. Now, some of them are quite mild, like Grunt Birthday Party. Yeah, you know, for confetti <laughs> headshots on the grunts, but ultimately, the game does become incredibly tough, especially with the iron skull. Now, with the iron mm. skull, if you're playing in co op, if either of you die, it it does the Halo 2 of you go back to the Halo previous two, checkpoint. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but if you do it in solo, you start the level again, um, which is already tricky enough when you've got no heads-up display, and every, all, all weapons that you pick up off the floor have half the amount of uh, ammo due to the famine mm-hmm. skull. And uh, it, it becomes quite an experience yeah. because there's a genuine fear. Now, in fairness, I used a little square from a sticky bit of a post-it note, um, lined it up with the center of a reticule, Cause you got to help yourself out because otherwise it's impossible, but it doesn't line up with any vehicles and <laughs> vehicles have a different reticule. So you are still essentially guessing where you're firing when you're in a tank or in a banshee, et cetera. Um, and you, you're already dying pretty quick. You can only get your health back, uh, your shield, uh, your stamina.
0: stamina
3: yep. Yeah. yeah. You only get your stamina Million. back by meleeing mm. an enemy. Oh, um, of course. Yes. <laughs> there's, there's many have hilarious effects and they're all incredibly frustrating. Uh, did you enjoy this, or
0: was it? Help? I did
3: because I'm a I'm a ridiculous masochist in the same way that I adored trying to do Max Payne three on yeah. um hardcore New York minute mode Dead Space two. This, you did the uh, yeah, you know. did Dead Space two yeah. um on the on the, the same sort of thing with the three checkpoints, but fortunately in um the Master Chief Collection, if you die, you can quickly press start and go to save and quit and come back, and you can hope you got a checkpoint because you wouldn't know. It You get no text on your screen. You don't even get a button prompt. So sometimes you can be thinking, do I, do I go through this door? can't remember, <sighs> but it won't tell you. So you've got you to sort of guess. But even with a post-it note reticule on your screen mm. and being able to manipulate uh, uh, save and quit, checkpoint, which isn't always guaranteed. Like There are some levels where they are awful. NMPD HQ, uh, for example, was horrific, uh, horrifically difficult, as was the final level Coastal Highway, but in terms of an experience, it was a fantastic yeah. experience.
0: Any times you nearly gave up?
3: I've got to be very careful because um, when I played Halo 2 in Legendary and it had the <laughs> lag online, I threw my control pad and the uh, headphone port broke yeah. on the bottom of my pad. Uh, so I've had to buy a second control pad. So every time the frustration came in, it was a tight grip on the pad and maybe uh, a few dozen cuss words. How many hours yes. do you
0: reckon it took you to, to do this? I reckon it would have, surely it would, you know, repeated play would have made it a fairly um, long... It's a short game.
3: Final, I know the final level took me on the timer because you can actually set a competitive score, which will actually kill yes, the timer. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's also very handy for if you're unsure if you've killed an enemy. Right. Because you'll see a number pop mm. up. Um, little tip. So, uh, the final level had a time of an hour and a half just for Coastal Highway, and that's not including times of uh, saving and quitting going back in. So, I reckon the final level was probably closer to three hours. I reckon the whole experience was maybe twelve to thirteen, yeah, tip, the, and that's knowing the game. This is, is very something worth. that we,
2: we haven't talked about in previous shows, but this is something we've we, as a as a group a collective we've been messing around on both the you know, original Halo and Halo Two, and even Halo Three. Um, it's fascinating and, and what it actually does is it, for the people that you know just want a really interesting challenge and the great thing about it is that to achieve this stuff quite often you need to want obviously know the games inside out which quite often most of these games we play multiple times so that's not a problem but also you need to know the tricks. It's, it's part of like searching online um, there's lots of ways in Halo to see, actually see how the mechanics work so for instance in the final level of Halo 2 which is atrociously hard anyway on legendary and you start adding all the lasso stuff on but you start to learn that you can go into areas spawn all the the enemies and then backtrack out of areas and then come back into them again and all the enemies have despawned but like the vehicles may be left over etc so then you can go through like there's a flying part at the very end of halo 2 where it's all but impossible to do naturally but if you do this trick you can get through it and what it allows is is for somebody that's really compulsive around these games to just do the search, the research, the f- yeah, and it's it's strangely fun. It's it's an entirely frustrating experience but the same way of playing Call of Duty or Veteran or anything like that, it's just about that I am going to achieve something that few ha- have ach- have yeah. achieved and yeah. same as Halo 2 on legendary it's it's it, it's you know where you have to restart the the checkpoints and stuff if you're playing co-op it's super hard but utterly rewarding and something that has left me, you know, really, you know, panning for more from Halo 2 in, in that regards because I found it the hardest challenge yet so far of all those mm. all those games and, you know, like Hull, I'm sure I'll be messing around more with uh, Lasso stuff um, on ODST anyway because it's Just an interesting challenge. Interest.
0: Just out of interest, Carl, um, how many uh, achievements does it throw at you for doing this stuff? Uh, A, on the original 360 version and B, on the Master Chief Collection. (laughs) Is is there...
3: None. None on the 360 Uh version and one achievement. Okay. 30-point achievement. Uh, Technically, it goes across. You've got to do all the games on Lasso and then (sighs) there's an achievement for getting them all on Lasso. Four. (laughs) You can can sort of manipulate them around um, with the way to share checkpoints and stuff. But... um, for one through four, but I decided, I thought, well, I'm going to actually try this on ODST. So I I took the challenge and there was none of this despawning enemies, Lark. (laughs) No, not for me. Uh, Play it properly. So there Mm. are moments where you um, uh, NMPD HQ is a perfect example, because if you know that level, uh, it ends in a big shootout around a ship with lots of banshees and you start thinking, well, that bit's going to be really hard. But getting there shouldn't be too difficult. All the way around, end part was really easy. Getting there was a nightmare um, because for a start you you start with an SM, uh, you start with a sniper rifle and a pistol, but you don't really want the sniper rifle. So you've got to kill the first grunt you see and steal his plasma pistol because the key to lasso, or really legendary, um, is the noob combo plasma pistol mm-hmm. pistol, and that that is your absolute uh, godsend in in any in lasso, because with a charged plasma shot, you'll take a brute's helmet straight off, which means you can one bullet him in the head. Um, The grunts, you can shoot in the head anyway. The hardest enemies are jackals with a shield, Mm. because with the skulls on, they don't stagger when you shoot them through the notch. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, which makes them, and they dodge all your grenades. So really, you want a plasma pistol to shoot that shield out, and then you've got a quick, but then they run really frantically and they're hard to hit. So they're a nightmare, whereas the Hammer Chieftains are the easiest enemy to kill because it, there's a technique to getting behind them and meleeing them. It's really weird, but like Tony said, it's in doing it on this difficulty and with this criteria and these restrictions, you really learn uh, the unfortunately, finite it, skills. It makes the uh,
2: Legendary kind of feel like you're playing on easy mode. It's it's one of those things that kind of destroys the game a little bit for you because you realise actually they could make this so much more harder. They just chose not yeah. to in Legendary, and I, and I think that's probably the right. Uh, way to go as a developer. They don't, they don't want to make anyone frustrated, but it's but it's an interesting it, challenge.
3: It's something that I've alluded to on all the other shows, and it's something I know me and Leon are in particular going to talk about in the Halo Reach show. When you're playing a game in Legendary and Solo, whether a game should be incredibly difficult or whether a, a set of skills and knowledge should outweigh the game's difficulty, mm. because for me, a game's difficulty isn't made harder by uh, making bullet sponge enemies, it's just bad. That's just, that's not how you do it. Don't make me die quicker and then take longer to kill. And Halo does this uh, the other way where even on Lasso, I can take a brute out in two hits because I know the combo to be able to do that. I have the knowledge yeah. to be able to you do that. You still have to execute and, though.
0: I mean, there's... But
3: being able to execute it. But in, in Lasso, you've obviously there are times where you've got to run past a lot of enemies because you simply can't fight them all and you've got nowhere to hide. and that is scary unless oh, <laughs> like, so it, it, it die, makes it so.
2: Um, yeah. like covenant weapons are ineffective against brute shields. It's it's basically that you yeah. you have to then use bullets, which you know that stuff doesn't highlight itself in the main game. But it's a fascinating experience, it, one that you know it's yeah. easily accessible on on the the Master Chief Collection just to throw it on just to try one level see so see how you get on and then probably yeah, give
3: up. I mean, I've always said re- regardless of gaming skill, you should try a Halo game on Legendary and give it a chance particularly from 3 onwards when you have precision weapons and it becomes a bit more fair because in Halo 1 it, it can be a bit rough but mm. um people should try legendary because the, the if you think in normal game terms of oh it's just going to be too hard no it it, it it's a little different in the way mm. that the Bungie designed the Halo games yeah. but um in Lasso it's not for everyone but give it a go because
0: it's it's a laugh. CJ uh, ever <laughs> dabbled with uh legendary all skulls on
1: um no i mean i've I've played the game sort of in in legendary but i've yeah. not really sort of boinged into skull stuff other than sort of recently uh having a bit of a bash around with with reach and the uh the confetti headed uh oh, yay wow. yay but uh but yeah. other than that no
0: no no does it appeal
1: um i i, I don't know if i'm kind of that good at gamer in many ways but uh
0: are you, I, are you just going to stick
1: to
3: the easy dark souls game well? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: no
0: I, I i don't know i i, I think that there's the, an analog the, there actually isn't there because you were exactly the things you were just saying about halo and legendary apply to dark souls too it's about learning yeah. it's not about mm-hmm. yeah, twitch skills that. it's about knowing stuff
1: i think in the in this instance i'm um i don't know with regards to um a lot of those things i think i'm the the fun here is is going through the the game and sort of experiencing the yeah. the, the story and the the atmosphere in itself and perhaps not. Sort inter- of tweaking up. interesting interesting a,
2: a game being or the game of being allowed to tailor that experience around them. So you know you can obviously oh, play between yeah. easy to legendary, and you know most of the grunt work yeah. will be done for the user. But I always felt that the skulls in Halo that if you wanted to make a one particular aspect you know less ammo, then there's a skull for that or more. Ammo in the grades, but they throw more. Like there's there's a really interesting balance to be had in Halo, where it just allows you to tailor the
0: experience around you. Yeah, and you get more score the more your skulls yeah, you turn up. On, once which, again, uh, I think so there is a, the, you know, the first there,
2: time you play through the game. I, I think yeah, sensibly, you just pick the difficulty which most suits you, and then. Uh, What makes these games more replayable is the fact that you can then chase time if you so wish, or you can chase score. But if you're chasing the score, you have to have a combination of both scores and difficulty, and also um, you know time features factors a lot into that. The the fascinating thing, and I love about the Master Chief Collection, is that it just you know collects all that stuff and puts it into one great big hopper and says you know go you know go and have fun. I mean, I'm Four hundred achievements deep into the Master Chief Collection now, I'm still still searching those two hundred or so left that you know to get. And I'm I'm pretty sure apart from a few a few legendary uh, time speed runs, I'm I'm probably going to get most of them. But it's you know looking at that time played, I'm I'm somewhere in the region of 150 hours on the Master Chief Collections now, and it's it's just just one of those. It's not necessarily mm. potent to, potent to um, barely yeah, the uh, Odst in particular, but as you know, as a having a, a big collection of games and you know enjoying them and, and seeing all these things kind of go into one great big score list. It be it you know mm. cross game achievements or just single game achievements for these uh, for Odst etc. You know the achievement system works brilliant in this and and it always has done in in ODST and or, or the Halo franchise and Lasso just just plays into that you don't have to go for it mm. but you know if you're somebody like me that you know likes to collect them all it's just having that well you might yeah you've done everything but that one drives you <laughs> and people like Carl and me to insanity where you have to spend a, a lot of time and and you know use any means necessary to to achieve that goal but it to, it makes the games fun it's nice to have that
3: challenge though it's it's nice to have a target that when you think a game's done, you can challenge yourself a little bit more. And Halo has always been about customization, whether it's creating modes or maps for the multiplayer, or even tweaking little things about how you can play the single player game. You you know, you, someone might play through a Halo game and know it back to front, but you you stick the famine skull on where you're only getting half the ammo and making the enemies dodge from grenades, and that that is a completely different experience to the first time you played that. Um, and uh, if if you didn't want to go the lasso route. The the you know I, I, as me and tony both highlighted there's a scoring and a time um if you tar- target the past score so you can you can work it with heroic and then a lot of skulls or legendary and slightly less skulls on so you can customize that style and that's somewhere between lasso and uh, say standard legendary which is an it, that's a nice way to test it without having the brutal uh, brutality of the iron skull mm. um for restarting a level when you die or losing uh, your uh, heads-up display, which, is that Thunderstorm? I can't remember which one that one is, uh, that that loses the whole interface. Um, so, yeah, you, you can absolutely tweak your difficulty. I've, I've always said when someone plays Halo, they should never start playing it on anything less than Heroic mm. because Heroic will give you a great experience regardless of skill level because you will develop along with that game in, t- in regards to what it takes to beat enemies. And from there,
0: you can customize your experience to enjoy
3: the challenge.
0: One last thing I want to talk about before we move on to listener correspondence is uh, a mode that I enjoyed. They brought it in. This was this uh, ODST came out a year after Gears of War two, kind of introduced one of the the, uh, the recent examples of this that online gaming has made a thing. Not everyone always wants to go online and kill each other, um, but people like co op gaming. Now Halo obviously already offered that, but they offered it in a sort of contained, high score based environment, I suppose, if you will, in um, Firefight. And uh, this was one of those modes that I had an enormous amount of uh, fun playing before inevitably people dribbled away and moved on to other things. But um, I gather it's not in the Master Chief collection. Is that right?
2: It's not.
3: Yeah, they they didn't put it in there. Um, They they did actually describe a reason for not putting it in. Uh, I kind of assume it's laziness, uh, but... Whether it's something that they want to put into Halo Five and then have that as the pure focus of it all, that maybe makes sense. But it's it's a shame because Firefight was a great experience that came with ODST. Um, it's something that, that again had a score focus. Uh, it utilized it had achievements for each of the maps uh, that that you tried to hit that score, and some of them were really fiendishly difficult, which. It was another case that I would keep going back until I absolutely nailed it. And if the Halo three O D S T experience on Legendary was broken by being four players co op,
2: Firefight thrived mm-hmm.
0: on absolutely. it.
2: Absolutely. Anyone else? Tony? Firefight? Yeah, completely agree with Carl. It's um it's it's when you know when you finally finish for the game, there's always that extra layer of thing. I mean I think um hold mode is kind of almost worn itself out there seems to be every game has it but back then Mm. it it felt fresh and it was uh, I think most people were quite disappointed that ODST didn't have some 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 take of its own multiplayer mode and it was just left this this co-op mode but actually I was the opposite I was loving the the fact that relishing that there was this co-op mode and you know the the people that I was playing um, Halo 3 uh, multiplayer, we we transferred onto this for for a while, and I remember there was a, a level called um, Rally Point where you had to hit two hundred thousand points on it, yeah. and it, it meant that basically you had you had to I mean, get to wave ten or something like that. But it was um, it was far enough along that it got quite a bit of tension, and they would be spawning through the r- room, and suddenly there would be um, um, <laughs> you know all these, you know all the different characters, and you know it it becomes just a bigger and bigger challenge, and Fun. Just that's always just comes down to that. They'd drop from the sky. They'd push forward. It was just always fun. You know, contented room. Lots of uh, lots of enemies coming through the door. Four people just trying to hold that one point, and to the point where they can get to that that score and unlock the achievement.
0: Is generally what it came down to. And it was so good. Bungie could have expanded it into a whole game. <laughs> you see what I've done there. I
3: see what you've done there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if only if only they actually did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Um if, well, if only it was that yeah. good. But it, <laughs> it, 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 it's 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 firefight was really interesting because it it we've said that, or at least I've said several times that that in terms of moment to moment combat in a first person shooter, Halo is the benchmark. So they built a whole m- mode based solely on that and then made it ridiculously difficult. And, you know, you have some levels where you've got wraiths shooting at you and you, you go down and get the wraiths and you've got jackal snipers shooting at you. And everyone knows those experiences that have played Halo of how intimidating they can be in a single player. And then you start working out game plans with your co-op buddies and you're like, well, if you go around the back and you take out the sniper, then I'll try and make mm-hmm. my way down there and I'll try and take out the wraith. But you've got to watch out for the ghost. So if one of you can, you know, plasma pistol the ghost and slow it down for me. And it, it just became an absolute and. I thought that it was a smart decision to use the Halo 3 multiplayer because the Halo 3 multiplayer was incredibly popular yeah. and trying to pull people and split, split it, it would have been on multiplayer for your own franchise a I, I completely bizarre. agree. I
0: think the only issue was maybe whether they should have released ODST at a slightly lower price. I mean, I, I don't resent any money i spent on it and i'm very happy no. to have the master chief collection version for free but in terms of how, in terms of those review scores and in terms of people's attitude towards it i think re-including the halo 3 multiplayer was uh seen as some people as a bit cheap or something which which i i view as unfair but i think maybe if they'd released it as a mid-price game rather than a full price game then people would have been a bit softer on that
3: yeah, I mean, I think that's absolutely a a, a great point, and it, it, it's something I completely agree with. But at the same time, I p- paid full price for this. Day one, I actually got the limited edition. Uh, of course you did. That, that, <laughs> uh, yeah, of course I did. That um, CJ actually put on Twitter earlier today. It? a control pad? Oh, okay. It was a it was a green ODST Xbox Three official Xbox Three Sixty control nice controller. Nice one, is that that? I, <laughs> that I loved and cherished <laughs> uh, and, I, and used, CJ. I didn't just look at
1: it. No, I, do, I, got, um, I got a comment. I got a copy day one and then sort of loved the game so much. I'd, when I sort that out and I found it for a decent price, I was like, yeah, I'm having that even if it's, if, if it's just going on the shelf. I'll, you just rub, rub it up. on That's yourself. <laughs> the <best time>. and, <laughs> right. Or in this case, and, you know, and, whip it out and uh, photograph off. it and pop it on Twitter.
3: And, <laughs> and uh, it's just Snapchat it. And I didn't regret paying full price for ODST for one minute. I felt that there was enough content in its co-op gameplay uh, and its firefight mode. And I thought uh, adding more people towards the Halo 3 multiplayer or encouraging people back, Mm -hmm. which is great because I believe that you could probably boot up your 360 and find a multiplayer game of Halo 3 without much problem Mm -hmm. now. So bringing people back into that multiplayer, and I know Tony was a huge fan of Halo 3 multiplayer, so getting people to was a good thing. Far more um, people had maps,
2: essentially. Yeah, yeah I, that too, yeah. I,
3: there is an irony to the fact that this could have been released cheaper, and we think it might have encouraged higher reviews, mm. which, for me, I, I don't necessarily agree with reviews relating to price. Mm. You know, um, but... Uh, or released as DLC or whatever, mm. and then when it came to the Master Chief Collection, they released it for four yeah. quid, and it was like I looked at it and went, "Is that all?" Yeah, it's, it's yeah it's it's crazy
1: price. I can, yeah. you know sometimes you can you can see a game in a shop that you really like that's sort of incredibly cheap, and you go, and you just, <laughs> you don't think like, "Oh, this is real bargain for somebody." You think like, "Really, a fiver?" Yeah, and the, and the ODST is one of those. I, I yeah. kind of I get a little bit <laughs> get a little bit worked up, sort of things like that, and Lost if, Odyssey. And...
3: If, if I didn't get it for free. And it was eight quid. I'd have snapped it up oh, the second that it completely. came out. Oh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. like that
2: yeah, a rare joke.
0: replay collection at the moment. Twenty pounds? Are they joking? Yeah, yeah. What they it's should ridiculous. charge? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is ridiculous. Um, CJ, so we did, you weren't on the Halo Three podcast. Um, hmm. So uh, did you did you uh, play a lot of multiplayer for Halo Three? Are you an online shooter guy? Um, I know you know you play Destiny, but
1: yeah, uh, yeah I mean I, I played uh, Destiny to bits. I'm a real big fan of that, but I, I never really got into uh, online multiplayer <laughs> stuff at all? Um, We've had this I'm, a lot on these
0: podcasts, which right. is weird. But uh, yeah,
1: I'm uh, I'm sort of very much a a story kind of uh, right. guy, and I, I guess yeah. I, I guess I come from uh, a background where it, <laughs> playing video games was quite a solitary solitary thing, sort of way before like internet and all that kind of good. Mm. So,
0: um, didn't yeah, you have arcades think. in Manchester?
1: <laughs> no, I I don't know.
0: It's just uh, you used to have to go just, to Ludlow for your gaming socializing, <laughs> didn't you? uh
1: I, well I, I, at one point i did but um <laughs> but um yeah I, I just never clicked with multiplayer plus wasn't particularly good at it most most of the time even on even on destiny it's like i'll shoot somebody somebody else will shoot me rinse and repeat and i mm. didn't really
0: enjoy that that's, so. that's
3: most multiplayer yeah, yeah that bad. is pretty much it
0: uh but what about firefight did you get involved in that at all? i, I didn't play it at all no which is which Goodness again is, there's, a, there's, a,
1: there's a little bit of irony there because uh that's as you were alluding to is the, mm. the basis for a lot of destiny with a with a with a tiny man take it taking 10 minutes to open a
0: door yeah correct all right uh so let's hear from our correspondents they'd all like to mention the soundtrack but uh, also their general odst experience so starting with fieldy He or she says ODST was a day one purchase for me, as were most of the other Halo games. The attraction of ODST for me was that for the most part in the Halo series, you're playing as Master Chief, a superhuman walking tank, which works and feels great. However, in the background of some of the missions were other Marines and sometimes ODSTs. These AI characters almost always got killed easily. And whilst you plough through the carnage in your green armor, I couldn't help but feel sorry for them in a way. But now I was able to play as one of these characters and it really felt like I was vulnerable. I'm not sure if this was the case, but it felt like health drained a lot quicker when taking fire than it did in Halo 3 and that your default weapons felt like they were a bit weaker. That said, I loved the Spec Ops style silenced guns. The setting and atmosphere also left me feeling isolated, open to attack. This made the game instantly refreshing and gave me a new take on what a Halo game could be. That and the fact that you got to see some of the events of Halo 2 from a new perspective made this entry into the series very appealing. Overall, however, I do think this was one of the weaker Halo games. It did try a few new things and indeed did stand out, but really it felt like a stopgap between 3 and Reach. A special mention must go to the soundtrack, though. The jazz blues feel really added to the atmosphere and made the whole experience that much more interesting. Thanks, Fieldy. And now we have Ben Blaster. I do hope that's his real name. (laughs) Halo 3 ODST was a day one purchase for me, still riding the Halo 3 buzz. Me and my group of fellow Xbox 360 gamers at the time couldn't wait to sink our co-op teeth into yet more Halo content, even if the chief wasn't involved this time. But ODST certainly wasn't what I'd been expecting. Gone was the bombastic showstoppers from Halo 3 to be replaced by a more somber and subtle mood. It was a side of Halo I could never have imagined, and because of this, ODST will always stand out as the pinnacle of the Halo franchise, in my eyes at least. ODST offered just as many chaotic multiplayer romps and cooperative riots that its predecessors had, but it's those moments spent skulking through the city of New Mombasa with the drizzle clouding up my visor and the soft purple glow of hazard lights guiding my way. Those are the moments I'll always remember. ODST was the first time the series had offered us a chance to simply stop and soak up the atmosphere. It's a theme that the franchise is yet to return to, but I certainly hope that ODST isn't to be one of a kind. The Halo universe could always use some more bluesy twists on its iconic soundtrack, that's for sure. Thank you. And Neki Manser says, I played through ODST at launch and was left feeling lukewarm on it. I don't recall much specifically other than just not really enjoying the style and design of the game, wanting something more consistently paced and focused on Chief's story. I just finished a replay of this on the Master Chief Collection a few weeks ago and have come away with a much more positive view on it. The setting is wonderfully crafted. The game requires a more measured approach in the night sections than I had used previously and that made a huge difference. The music is also absolutely top-notch and can absolutely compete with other favourite Halo tracks. The gunplay is just as good as ever. The story is interesting and involving. I heartily recommend any Halo fan to give it a shot via the Master Chief Collection but with an asterisk on the recommendation that they do not approach it like a mainline Halo game. Bakers12 says ODST, as it stands, is the only Halo first-person shooter that I did not get around release. As I believed that this was originally going to be DLC for Halo 3, I felt I was going to be short-changed. After picking up the game second-hand, at a reasonable price, I felt it was definitely more than a glorified DLC that I later found out was a misconception that I'd had. I thought it was a breath of fresh air for many reasons, including not being the Master Chief, the story structure that used flashbacks and a few gameplay tweaks to represent you not being a Spartan. I felt that the story was more interesting and had a stellar cast, particularly for Firefly fans. It was with this game that I started to think that Bungie was better at putting together a standalone story than a continuing one. The hub area was a mixed bag for me. While I liked the exploring and fighting through the deserted city, I did find that there wasn't much variation in scenery, and parts could be a slog to get through. In particular, I have strong memories of trying to fight two hunters with very low health and getting very frustrated. How was that bit for you, Carl? With uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know the two hunters uh, he means in the in the in the hub. Um, me playing it back through on normal, it wasn't very hard, but. Uh,
3: no, you could actually. You in the there's two lasso playlists, and there's one where it does only the missions. However, there are two oh, okay. hunters in uh, Coastal Highway, the final level at the shootout, yes. which is actually a firefight map. Um, they were fun. Yeah. 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 Die, did you die at all? Uh, no, lots lots of. Uh, Lots of free running <laughs> around the area yeah. and jumping off as quick as possible to get Parkour.
0: away. Yeah, that's that's yeah. My, when I tend to come unstuck is uh, walking into sort of six inch curbs that you can't jump up and things like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's one thing we haven't said, actually. Your jump is is uh, considerably um, moderate compared to... Uh, and fall damage. Yeah, well. yeah, of course. yeah. Robotic Monkey is our next correspondent from the forum at com slash forum. He posts... Not being a Spartan, you couldn't just go barreling right into the middle of a battle. You'd have to carefully pick your way around the edge, or sometimes just sneak past them all together. Knowing what weapon you had became vital, especially on the harder difficulty settings. Energy weapons to take off shields followed up with some marine weapons to finish the job. I think it was the atmosphere that won me over so much with ODST. The hazy nighttime slogging through the streets, being guided by the AI flashing up road signs and car headlights to steer you in the right direction, combined with the amazing jazz soundtrack, really set the tone in a way that I've not really felt in many other games. You really do feel like you're completely on your own. The audio logs really were an amazing addition to the game. Hearing how civilians on the ground were affected by the Covenant attack on New Mombasa would have been a nice enough addition on on its own, but the whole thing was acted out really well and gave extra depth to the game. It also came with the added perk that unlocking the audio logs gave access to weapons stores dotted around the city, making the later battles easier and also giving you access to a vehicle to help move around. I liked how you found various items dotted around and interacting with them would take you off onto the side story of how things ended up there. ODST also had the lovely addition of Firefight mode. I'm sure it wasn't the first instance of a horde-based game, but for me it felt like the first one where teamwork and coordination became so important. We all know that one person who would get a little too trigger-happy up close with the (laughs) hammer. Yes. 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 Goat Snake, a new contributor... Uh, is the most fearsome of all the hybrid beasts. Despite playing all of the main games in the Halo series in one form or another, ODST was the only one I loved rather than merely liked. Playing through the atmospheric, rain-soaked stealth sections while trying to rendezvous with your squadmates was a nice change of pace to the more traditional Halo fare encountered when you started to track them down. Retracing their steps and encountering the scene of their battles was a neat way of tying it together too, as well as helping reinforce the feeling of being lost and alone in hostile territory. Having the Firefly boys turn up to effectively reprise their roles was, for me, another welcome departure for the series. They were far more interesting than Master Chief's blank slate personality. While it's st- while still being a great fit for Halo's curious and charming mix of earnestness and good human adventure. And that soundtrack. For my money, this too is the best in the series. And... Often the often more understated moody tone fitted the atmosphere of the game beautifully. It's one of my favorite soundtracks of the last generation and was the first game soundtrack I bought on CD. Yes. So one more with the soundtrack. Flabio concludes. He says, so ODST then or Halo Firefly as it was nicknamed where I was working at the time. It's my favorite game in the entire series, including the ones you've not got to yet. I'm a sucker for video games that experiment with the way they deliver their narrative, especially when they choose to go down the non-linear route. It can take a little brain work to work out what the chronological order is for the various chapters, but that's part of the charm. Focusing on the ODST rather than the Spartans gives it a more ground-level human aspect. These guys aren't walking battle tanks like the Master Chief, and their dialogue and level designs emphasise their fragility. The ODSC mean more, of course, if you're a fan of the novels and animated stuff. And interjection. I believe there was a prequel to this. Hell was it? Hell Hell Divers comic? I mean, no, not Hell Divers. That's that new game. <laughs> hell Jumpers. Hell Fight was yeah. it? Hell yeah. Jumpers. Yeah. Uh, returning to Flabio, they're the best. They're the previous best troops in the UNSC. They're essentially the equivalent of the Navy Seals. So there's animosity between them and the genetic freaks that are the Spartan Two and Three troops. That uh, that this squad makes a reappearance in cameo in the next game, which is set before this one and at least one of them is turning up in Halo 5 that shows they've certainly clicked with players. Also, the musical score for this game is the series' high point. It's incredibly mournful, with far less bombast than before. I guess the main thing that this one has that the others don't for me is atmosphere. It feels more desperate, more hopeless, and more human. Thanks, everybody. Lots of uh, very similar uh, sort of... um takes but yet where some of the correspondents consider it their favourite of all the Halos because of those things and while others consider it as a lesser Halo so I guess that experience may be um, felt by by many of you out there now in brief from at Kane Rince, our Twitter account we have three word reviews starting with uh, CJ please
1: uh, Alan Smith says hell jumping fun
0: necky man sir Find your squad. Catatonic Gnarly. The aforementioned John says, welcome, tonal shift. Stephen Thompson Jones. Those atmospheric streets.
1: Rob Armstrong, my favourite
0: Halo. Right. In summary, then, uh, can we conclude our feelings on Halo 3 ODST, starting with Tony? For
2: me, it's a bit of a mixed bag Halo experience. Um, Hmm. As much as I love the tonal shift... Of of what the streets allow, and I I think it's really interesting playing as an O.D.S.T. You know, previously a you know a, a character in the universe that was you know, viewed as okay, yeah, they're just kind of like a sub character being brought into the forefront, and um, you know the extended fiction that can be found outside of the the main games, you know, they were an really interesting characters, so you know I'm glad that they they have um, some limelight. I think the the maybe the problem I have is I I think the actual gameplay outside of the streets has been done better in many of the other Halo games, because I think, you know, those focuses, its focuses in those games is to deliver those moments. And I think with um, this feeling a bit more put together as a piece of DLC and almost feeling like a a best of in, in those, in some of those regards, but maybe not being as, as refined, um, left me wanting a little bit more, um, but the the street sections, combined with the music, combined with some of the, the more intimate storytelling, left me really feeling quite, you know, proud that they, they had chance to do something that was a tonal shift away from the main main franchise. So I, I certainly like it, but I, it just, for some reason, it, it just, in my head, it just sits in a slightly odd tonal place um, that... It's, it's not one that I particularly must come back to each time. Um, you know, listening to CJ and, and Carl talk about you know, almost the poetic nature of how they found some of the elements, certainly of the story, uh, it, it makes me want to feel that way. But I, I can't help but come off the back end of that game after playing what seems at this moment to be about eight months of Halo. Um, it's the one that I've come off going, yeah, okay, that's a piece of Halo. DLC uh, that's been expanded and in an interesting take in this universe, but it's one that I just don't love. Um, and you know that's a fairly nebulous thing. I, I that's down to down to just personal preference and choice. So um, I think if if you haven't played it, you should definitely play it. It's an interesting take in the Halo universe, but as a personal thing, it's yeah, it's one that I like but don't love.
0: Fair enough uh, that's interesting that yeah you echo the uh, the the earlier correspondence and uh, your summary came where it did interesting yes um i think i'm slightly more positive overall than you tony in in terms of where i sort of how i feel about halo 3 odst it's probably the halo game that i've actually spent the least time with um i bought it played it through once or twice solo co-op some point i sold it i don't remember when uh, got it again recently for Master Chief Collection and played through it again only on normal which isn't the best way to play it I completely accept that um, it was more about just uh, revising you know reminding myself of what actually you know what goes on how it feels to play and so on and so forth I I would love to now have the time to go back and play it on Halo and maybe even um, Halo <laughs> oh, heroic heroic and even legendary um, although I'm, I'm stopping well short of what Carl did because that's just insane behaviour um, but uh, yeah, I really, I really, really like the atmosphere. Everyone's mentioned it. The soundtrack, I think, is beautiful. Um, and having that hub level, which apparently was a real, um, you'd think, oh, it would be fairly simple, but because the game had never been built with that in mind, it was a, it was a <laughs> bit of a nightmare for them to engineer. Um, and it's the it's the, lar- the largest contiguous area in any Halo game. Uh, I suspect that's still true, although I haven't played Halo 4, so I can't be sure. Um which is impressive in itself and and the fact that it's got these sort of collectibles and um, this mystery to solve. Even if I didn't care about the the overall story, the events that happened in New Mombasa between Halo 2 and 3, because I don't really care about the story of Halo generally, I still got sucked in with the music, with the atmosphere, with the vibe into that Blade Runner, Deus Ex, Human Revolution, you know, neon signs and dripping streets and saxophone kind of atmosphere. And another area where I think I, I feel slightly more positively than Tony is that I think the the action levels in between the hub levels uh, are up there with anything I've enjoyed playing in Halo. And maybe that's, maybe I haven't played them, I've, I haven't played them as many times as you, Tony, I haven't played them on the different difficulties, perhaps, maybe above heroic, I'm not sure, but uh, in terms of... The things they ask you to do and the set pieces. Um, I had a real lot of fun. I think there's a real good spread of stuff from vehicular stuff to long range stuff. Lots of close up melee um, areas where you're defending multiple sides at a time. Um, And uh, yeah, and and a a Banshee section, of course, as well. Um, So, yeah, it's a Halo that I really like. I love the fact that I got it for free because I bought the master chief collection when it was broken <laughs> um uh, but i'm i'm just about now having getting quite a lot of good value out of that that 50 quid i spent on the on, on the side uh, of it um is a, a little box. bit of context to me because I, I think
2: as it was a massive stepping stone to reach and i think reach takes a lot of the ideas obviously not maybe the hub world but it takes a lot of the ideas of how to blend characters in within the main game um and a mm. lot of some of those you know more just Tighter moments, I think Reach really runs with it and, and perfects what they were trying to ch- achieve in ODST. And that's a little bit unfair on a game which was, it's you know, the fourth, to to no, Reach. race, but it can but affect it, it, it after the time,
0: yeah, absolutely. And yes, those those squishy, awful faces, uh, and um, and some and some stunt casting didn't do an awful lot for me apart from the the, the odd moment of, of Nathan Fillion charm, but um, but yeah, overall. Uh absolutely, I'm so glad they they now, it is now part of the Master Chief Collection, or is if you pay a few quid if you haven't bought it at the time. Bring on reach to the Master Chief Collection, I say. Uh, but more of that in a month. Carl?
3: ODST doesn't really have any bad
0: levels, in my opinion. And that's
3: maybe the biggest compliment I would pay the game outside of the hub world. If you look at Halo mm. 1, you know, you people... Inevitably mentioned library, uh, Halo 2, Gravemind, <laughs> no. Halo 3, Covenant. ODST, <laughs> does it have a bad one? You know, some people might say, um, Data Mind, but no, that's okay. I really enjoyed that level. So, uh, for me, it, it it doesn't have any of the strongest levels, but it doesn't have any bad levels. It never really takes any bad steps with its gameplay. And, that is really cool. But the, the, the star of the show is absolutely the hub world. It, it oozing in uh, with atmosphere. And it, it's strange because it's it still holds up now and it's still thoroughly enjoyable now and you get all the feelings, but I would love to see it remastered like they did with Halo 2, just to see that hub world uh, with new lighting effects and um, glowing neon and better rain effects and stuff because it, it would be truly spectacular. And... Obviously, as a fan of Blade Runner, that helps as well. Uh, story-wise, I think it's a really interesting story. I adored the the audio logs, and I thought they told a really good tale, um, differently to how tales are told in the first three Halo games. And as uh, Tony alluded to, there, it, it's a really good forerunner. God, Halo joke. Sorry, in case you didn't spot it. And it it sort of leads into what Halo Reach does really, really well, Um, because Reach is quite a departure from the first three games. And I think without ODST, that might have been really jarring. And this sort of eased you in with how how to tell a story with a bigger squad of people. And obviously in in Reach, you've got Noble Team. and this, you've got the the fellow team of ODSTs. And it, it felt like this was a real development process, which, you, by the time you've had Halo 3, which is a smash hit, it's had critical acclaim, it's got millions of players playing it online, and yet they still wanted to develop that formula further in ODST, and I felt that they really hit something that was quite special and surprising, I think, is probably the key word here, because as as a Halo fan, I, I expected to go into ODST, and it'd be different. I did not expect to be surprised with the many changes, you know, the, the tonal shift, the way the combat flows, the way you feel vulnerable, even little things like you mentioned earlier, Leon, the the scaling of the character, and suddenly you're looking up at stuff more than looking straight at them, and it's only a little thing, but if you go into it from playing the other games, it does make a huge difference. You feel so much more vulnerable, um, and it, it it with Firefight on top, which unfortunately isn't in the Master chief collection which is a bit of a travesty really because it was there in the base game and it's a really fun mode and you know i'm i'm a huge fan of horde gameplays you know the one of the games i truly loved in the arcade growing up was gauntlet and ever since then i've loved that idea of co-op play against waves of enemy and uh, and and gears of war did a really cool job and I think that, that Firefight honestly took it the next step up from what Gears of War 2 did. And it, it as a sort of mode in games, it sort of died away and you, you get zombies in the Call of Duty games and there's not a whole lot else doing it. And for Firefight to come out and feel different and feel so um, so much like a team effort was really cool. Um, and it, it is missed from ODST. But for anyone who's got the Master Chief Collection, which... Really, I can't recommend enough because you're getting four games at the base price anyway. The fact that you can pick up ODST for $3.99 is is nothing less than a steal. Um, It's a fantastic product. It's a very different tonal take on on Halo, um, and it's worth checking out, especially if you're one of these people that claims to like the Halo games but ignored ODST. Uh, Give it a go because for me it is a really positive experience um, and going going back now uh, six almost six years after its release mm. and still loving that game and still finding the little things that I loved then um, and, and playing them now with and tweaking it and obviously I don't expect everyone to go through and play it on this so it, it really is a, a very niche mode for like the less than 1% who want to be masochists or whatever um, but you... In terms of a legendary campaign, solo or with a friend, two two people at most mm-hmm. you and one friend um, it, it, with any more it 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 does break the the immersion and and, and that sense of vulnerability and and you against the world uh, but with two people on legendary, it's a great game, solo on heroic or higher, it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, give it a go, because four quid is such a bargain.
0: <laughs> yeah, I hadn't, it hadn't even crossed my mind the thought of a ODST anniversary. I suppose because we obviously we haven't even had Halo three anniversary yet. But, yeah, uh, it seems a pretty remote possibility, but lovely idea nonetheless. And let's conclude with our guest CJ. Thank you.
1: Uh, I was instantly smitten with ODST. Uh, Pre-release people were tearing into it and finishing it in hours, but I breathed deeply of those rancid streets, the sheer loneliness of those opening moments. The wonderful storytelling as the game moved between dark whispers and echoes, into spectacular Halo bombast and back again. Throughout we slowly discover more about the cast, their specialities, and their bonds before all are brought together in this glorious Magnificent Seven shootout at the end. I finished it at least three times on 360 and kept on returning purely because I like these characters. I loved existing in this broken, evocative world, losing myself in the visuals, the atmosphere, the banter and that gorgeous soundtrack. Uh, I finished the Xbox One version today and beamed my way through it, noticing things I'd not seen uh, or been affected by previously, along with moments which pure warmed my heart. I'd like to see more of the edict upon which ODST was built. If a Halo game is created and the engine is there, why not fashion a smaller team to do something new, different, quirky? Show me aspects of this universe away from the bluster of the lad in the green suit and thrill me in ways I really didn't expect. I'd love a new ODST, but I'd really love to see the instinct which inspired ODST applied to something I really wouldn't expect at all.
0: Nice. Thank you very much, CJ. Once again... We'll see you again soon. Uh, Yes, so that's been ODST. We've only got uh, two more Halo shows to go in this current run, but who knows about the future. It just remains for me, Leon, to thank Carl, Tony and CJ and to tell you that next time in issue 190, perhaps you've seen it maybe in a dream, a murky forgotten land, a place where souls may mend your ailing mind, Dark Souls 2.